So hello, everybody. Um, I'm happy to join you guys in the date pulpit today. My name is Drew Purdue. I was joined just as a member last week here at Westminster. Um, I am a senior at Randolph-Macon. I'm on the pre-ministry track, so when Jennifer asked me to preach, I was more than happy to do so. Um, but within that, you guys, some of you may know me, some of you may not, but you also may not know um, that I grew up in a Southern Baptist church. One of the things about the Southern Baptist is they teach a lot about how to be a proper biblical man and how to be a proper biblical woman, at least in my experience at the church. Going off of this, in my junior year of high school, um, we were doing a section in our youth group about how to be biblical men and biblical women. We were placed in groups based on our sexes, and due to being raised as a woman within this group, uh, church, I was placed alongside the youth girls. Now, something important to note, um, as you may have guessed, I was one of the leaders within this group. And as a leader, I would frequently help lead discussions when I was asked to, including even discussions about biblical womanhood, though I was probably four years older than most of these girls. One particular Sunday, however, I was not asked to lead. That Sunday, we were talking about how we can dress to glorify God. Now, it's all the typical things you can think of, not wearing tops that are cut too low or wearing skirts that are too short. But one thing in particular they talked about was cutting your hair. I can still remember that experience very distinctly because I remember being called out by it or feeling called out by it. Um, to get back to the story in just a second, a little bit of context is needed. Um, I had just shaved my hair. So the bottom half of my hair was shaved um, and the top half of my hair was still long. So it was down past my shoulders. So they start discussing appearances, specifically regarding hair. And the comment was made that if you cut your hair to look like a man, you were not practicing biblical womanhood and you were sinning against God. I remember very distinctly two folks, one of which was the person leading, darted their eyes over at me, looked me up and down, and it very much so felt like they had lasers coming out of their eyes and were like staring deep into my soul. Um, though I know this is not the case, it definitely felt like that. This experience for me in the church was very formative uh, regarding my relationship with God. For a while, I thought that I had to be a perfect biblical person in order to be able to be a follower of Christ. I thought that this meant that I wasn't allowed to carry around things that I had been struggling with in regards to my personal experiences or my understanding of scripture. I was convinced God wouldn't be willing to guide me if I didn't understand every single detail about them, about Jesus, about the Holy Spirit, or about biblical doctrine. Though today we can see in our scripture reading that this is not fully the truth. Today's scripture reading is the story of the woman at the well, or the Samaritan woman. In this lesson, Jesus is traveling between Judea and Galilee. This is really interesting that he specifically stops in Samaria because there were tensions between Jews and the Samaritans. Um, that led Jews mostly to travel around this area because they had the ability to do so. He had the option to go the other way, but he look, when looking at the scripture, we can see that there was a purpose for him traveling through Samaria. Verse 4 says, which is a little bit before where we started reading, but he had to travel through. Some biblical scholars um, would say that it's not a geographic necessity, but argue that it's because of God's will or plan being involved in him traveling through this Samaritan, Samaritan area. Jesus and his disciples stopped through um, Samaria, where he meets this woman at the well. Now, it doesn't tell us specifically in the text whether Jesus arrives at the well and then sends off his disciples, or if the disciples were getting food for their travels and Jesus traveled a short distance ahead of them. It was about 250 feet from the main area of Samaria. Um, either way, this woman at the well was a Samaritan. Not only was she a Samaritan, but she had five husbands, wasn't a follower of Jesus or his teachings, and was considered a social outcast within the society. Jesus asked her to give him a drink. 
This wasn't necessarily strange because the women at the, women at the time would typically take care of things such as fetching, fetching water for their households. However, Jesus was doing a couple things here. First and foremost, he was talking to a woman. Now, this typically wouldn't be significant in our day and age, but at the time of Jesus, women and men typically didn't talk to each other in public unless they were married or related in any other way. Second of all, not only was she a woman, but she was a Samaritan woman. Like I said earlier, the Jews and the Samaritans didn't have the best history. Some could say it was a little tense. Thirdly, by drinking the water um, given to Jesus out of her jug, he would make himself ritually unclean at the time. And fourth of all, Jesus using her, to act, using her to fetch him water was an excuse to talk to this woman. He did not have his own jug to fetch his water, and this is likely because he was traveling with his disciples. So they would have been the ones to fetch the water out of the well for Jesus. What Jesus was doing here was intentional. He could have waited for the disciples to come back, but he didn't. He intended to talk to this woman. Knowing all of these things, Jesus asked the woman for water, and she is rightfully confused about why he would ask her for a drink. She is aware that he doesn't have a jug, and she's also aware of the relationship between the Jews and the Samaritans. Um, so it was even more strange for her why Jesus would ask for the water that she provided. According to the Jews, Samaritans were considered heretics, foreigners, um, and unclean. And knowing this information, this woman is confused, clearly. The way that Jesus um, asked this woman for water almost seems intentional as a way to start a conversation about the living water or the Holy Spirit. And he likely did not need the physical, he likely did need the physical water because he had been traveling for a long distance. Um, but he also knew what would happen if he had shared this testimony of the living water with this woman. Out of intense curiosity, the woman keeps talking to Jesus, and their conversation lasts for a total of 35 verses, which is the longest of any, any of Jesus' conversation within the Gospels. As this woman's curios curiosity peaks, she also starts to demonstrate respect for Christ when call in verse 11 when she calls him sir. Though she gives respect, she is still very confused and thinks that when Jesus says this living water, he's talking about a physical substance. Jesus eventually clarifies that this water represents eternal life. And then she realizes she will not be thirsty with the water that Jesus is providing. Now something I love about this story every time I read it is that this woman doesn't necessarily understand Jesus' metaphors. And he know she knows that he is a Jew based on the clothing that he's wearing and the way that he's carrying himself. But she still intently listens. And Jesus does the same to her. Jesus, is being, Jesus, being both fully God and fully man, knows everything about this woman. He knows about her past and her current life. He knows that she's a Samaritan woman. And yet, he greets her physically in the exact location she is at, but also spiritually in providing her more information about the living water. Jesus doesn't expect this woman to know everything about him, to know everything about his mission, or to even necessarily follow him at this exact moment. Instead, Jesus takes time for her to understand. As one commentator writes, um, Jesus not only, uh, he's accustomed to convey simple instruction to simple people who are willing to learn. Jesus not only crosses the boundary of people, um, to imagine people not knowing his teaching, but he was also crossing racial and ethnic boundaries as well as um, by talking to the woman who didn't necessarily interact with Jews frequently. He was crossing boundaries of genders between identities, and he also talked with chosen and rejected people within their society. Jesus was meeting this woman where she was at and greeting her with what she needed. Not only that, but this woman greeted Jesus where he was at. Now, I know this sounds a little crazy, but stick with me. She had engaged conversation. She asked questions. She was curious about what to learn more. She learned from God provided him water, it's implied in the message. 
but she also provided him with the perspective of the Samaritans. Jesus would have known this information, but she was still able to give her own perspective of it. When she did not understand, she didn't just walk away and give up on him, but instead she stood there and listened. If she had no desire, she could have just walked away. But this woman opens her ears to hear and listen to what Jesus is saying. Eventually, we read in verses later that she goes out to her town to talk to Jesus and to tell the city of who this man is. Now that we have the story and the understanding of the message, what does this mean for us? Well, first and foremost, we should come to God even when we don't understand. There are going to be many times when we don't understand exactly what God is wanting us to know. We may not understand a scripture, a lesson, or even in the case of the Samaritan woman, what Jesus means by living water. There may be times when we necessarily don't necessarily feel like coming to God. But even in those times, God is greeting us and meeting us at the well, and he wants to commune with us. They want to be in relationship with us, just, just as Jesus wanted to be in relation with the woman at the well. He didn't want her to be perfect. He didn't need her to be a certain way in order to be in community with him. She didn't have to cut her hair a certain way or dress a certain way in order to talk to him. She didn't have to be a perfect biblical person for Jesus to want her and to love her. And that sentiment holds the same for us, myself included. Um, many times we worry too much about how, we, uh, how put together we are when we come to church. And honestly, sometimes even when we're worshiping God in our own homes. God isn't worried about the material things of the world, what we look like, our past, the way we worship, whether our hands are raised all the way in the air, whether they're down by our sides or in our pockets, whether we pray silently in our room alone, or we talk out loud while driving like I did today on the way here. The divine doesn't worry about these things when coming to worship them. Reverend Nadia Boltzweber is a Lutheran theologian, um, and she frames this beautifully in her sermon about the woman at the well. She says, whatever the lowest point is in you, whatever the deepest wound, the vilest sin, and the damaged thing in you is, the living water of Christ's compassion will find it, can find it, and has found it. And we can do like the woman did. She left her jars behind. She was so excited to go and share about the compassion and the love and the miraculous works of God that she left her jar behind at the well. Let us do that. Let us take whatever is in that jar and leave it behind and allow ourselves to be greeted by God and share our message and word and in deed. When coming to worship God in this space or on our own, we shouldn't worry about whether we're the quote, perfect Christian or the perfect person or the person who knows everything. But instead, let us be focused on what God has to provide for us. The living water that he talks about that can provide everlasting life. Sometimes it can be hard to worship God, especially when we don't feel adequate enough to come before them. Though it can be difficult, we are called to bring our full selves into whatever space we inhabit at the time of worship. In our homes, in the physical church building, or with our friends around a table sharing a meal. But simply, we must bring our all to that space. Opening our ears and our hearts and allowing God to greet us, allowing God to welcome us the same way the woman the well, woman at the well, welcome Jesus into her space. Amen.